From the sprawling woods of Ohio to the buzzing streets of Milwaukee, there's a man driven by sex, drugs, and violence. Uh, it's like that, Jeffrey? Welcome back to What Did You Do? I'm Dee. And I'm Charnel. And apparently this is the best true crime game show <laughs> ever to... Uh, and get... here's your show! No. I I can't remember how this show started. There it is. No, welcome back to What Did You Do? It is episode 22. And those are some bars. I'm on my Jay-Z. And I'm really excited for this episode. I uh, yes, I am aware. Can't hide it. You guys already know the name on it. Um, I told myself I wouldn't do this. What do I you said mean? I wouldn't be that excited at the beginning. Oh yeah, of the that's episode. right. And so what happened there? I can't do it. I told I, you you were going to fail. This is that. going to be. This is my favorite favorite true crime case of all time. Of course um, it is. It really is. Like. I don't know why I enjoy Jeffrey Dahmer so much. It's probably because Jeffrey Dahmer is gay. Like all these, it's just a, all these things. Because gay killers are few and far between. There's about three big ones, right? Um, and we've already covered one. And they love to do things. They love to do a lot. They used to do extra. Because well, you have to go above and beyond, <laughs> right? They, they don't have to live amongst these heteronormative, you know. <laughs> that's so stupid. That's Reach so for the stupid. stars, guys. Right. Reach I mean, for the stars. You're going to do something, I guess. But here we are, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are back. We are doing the damn thing. But before we get started, we got some housekeeping to get out of the way. Housekeeping. I love housekeeping. You got to cook and you got to clean and wash everything. So I want to shout out our new patrons. I want to shout out to Silas, Hi, Silas. Uh, Levine. Silas. Thank you so much, Silas. Cheryl Miller. Cheryl. Pamela Sullivan. Pamela. Christina, I'm going to butcher your last name and I'm going to try Christina Gillazoo, Gillazoo, Gillazoo. It's probably French. It looks French. But hi, Christina. Sarah Manacker and Rahat Glass Hussein. Hi, Sarah and, and Raha. Rahat. You I said think. that so fast. Yeah, but thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for believing in us and supporting us in the way that you are. Woo-hoo! If you guys would like to support us in another way outside of just listening, you can go check out our Patreon, and the link will be in the show notes. We'll put it on the Twitter, on the Facebook. Um, you can find fun ways to do that. There's some really awesome rewards involved. There's like t-shirts, there's Skype calls with us, there's bonus episodes, bonus content, stickers, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, so like there's so many ways to do this. Um, also we have merch, merch. um, in our team public store. Uh, a lot of people like love to click and look at the shirts and like, I, I, I got my shirt very recently. I have um, not participated, but I shall. <laughs> but it is very comfy and I love wearing, I haven't worn it out yet, but I think I'm going to wear it sometime this weekend. Like I want to like, you know, dress it up a little bit, but get a cute jacket. Um, but the other thing is I was just in New York City and I, for my birthday, I turned 29 on Happy Friday. Happy birthday. I know. Hi. It feels good. The 29, the last year of your 20s. It doesn't even mean anything to me anymore. But <laughs> I um, I was there and I meant to meet up with some of our listeners, specifically like Kat um, and Emily, who they both are both awesome. Right. And I didn't get a chance to because my friends, had, I was there at five people. It was hard to float around and please everybody. But what me and Dee were thinking was doing like a, a meetup in New York City. Involving um, me. 
That's just what I just said. Me and D. I know. Someone is selfish. I just literally, re- yeah. Yeah, like, including me. Like, yeah, we heard you. Okay, Trump. So we are, like, <laughs> we know who you are. You don't have to keep telling us. You didn't have to do this to me. <laughs> you didn't have to compare me. You didn't. It's what it is. But so here we are. And that's something. So if you guys are into that, like, tweet us, Facebook us, go on the group. What did you crew? Tell us about it. And what bars are, like, popping because i'm a brunch guy so if there's like some breakfast and i can go to a bar afterward i'm here for it um but other than that we can just jump on in to this episode i have nothing else to talk about so are you ready for uh, uh mr jeffrey dava i'm probably gonna you are know you watch steven universe after this it's fine i don't mind i've it. been mentally prepping for this though because I... I knew this is your fave <laughs> this is gonna be the worst and this is guys also the other part of housekeeping is that it's gonna be a two-parter Right. Um, so this twice is, double the fun. Double the fun. So double the pleasure. Two episodes in two weeks. Yeah. We don't we don't make you wait two weeks for the second part. I feel like that's rude. Right. Um, like I wouldn't stop by your house and then not come by again if I still right. have your shit. So like here we go. Right. Um, but no, here we go. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer he was right. born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on May twenty first, nineteen sixty. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like a lot of. Uh, Criminals are born in May. I don't know why that is. Maybe because now I work there. But there's something about that. You my know. brother is born in May. He's a criminal. I mean, <laughs> I I tell um, my friend Yvette Shalta, you have that all the time because she's a May birthday too. So I'm waiting. Well, you're just waiting for her to get arrested. Yep. <laughs> I guess crimes vary, apparently. I'm hoping that like Yvette is like a petty crime. Right, like, right. You know, she smashed um, a window out of someone's car or something. Not like she's kidnapping people and drugging them. I'm keeping my eye on her. <laughs> Right. But he is the first of two sons born right. to Annette and Lionel Herbert, which these names are great. So, Donna. wait, so she was, a, what's a teletype machine instructor? Because that's what his mother did. She was a teletype in, machine instructor. And I found that the, their dynamic interesting because he was in school. Right. In the big end of the race. So, he was in school working towards his degree in chemistry. His PhD, yeah. Right. So, his dad was doing the damn thing. Incredibly intelligent. Right. And, like, even here, hearing him on documentaries and things like that, like, if you, any documentary with Jeffrey Dahmer has his father on right, it. Right, right. Because he was, I, I don't know if he's since passed on, but right. at the time in the 90s when all these were being shot, he was, like, present and all clear. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of times when people are going for their PhDs, one partner works and the other one doesn't. Right. I I have tons of friends when I used to work um, for the Big Green Machine Enterprise, um, <laughs> and they would move around yeah. because the job would move. You can transfer locations, and they're like, "Well, my wife is going to go get her PhD at USC, so we're moving to LA." Right. I'm like, "Well, that's pretty cool." Like, so I got to work. I'm like, "Same well, thing do you? with my sibling. It's yeah. the thing. The, yeah. you know, the man or the woman works. Your partner works, right. and then you do your thing. Right. It's pretty dope." Uh, but eventually, you know, that PhD came about. <laughs> and <laughs> shout out, again, shout out to Lionel, because I want to get my side D, and it just sounds like a lot of work. Um, in the movie, in the movie, I've also been drinking. The <laughs> <laughs> No, and the family moved to Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, bounced around a couple times, as families do, trying to find some footing, trying to find a decent place to stay, until they settled uh, in Bath, Bath, Ohio, and which is a cute little town. I looked it up. Oh, because I've wondered about it. Because I feel like I've heard it in some other reference before yeah. outside of this, and I couldn't figure out. But Bath, yeah. Ohio. If you might be thinking like Bath, England. No, it's Ohio. Ohio. I didn't okay. know that it's a Bath, English. I have I have family that lives near Warren, Ohio, and I have family who lives near Bath, Ohio. Okay. Um, that's the only reason I knew Bath, like yeah. knew New Bath. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a cute little town. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you guys ever there, go check it out. 
Uh, but even in this, some things started happening in Jeffrey's life. Right. Isn't that right, D? Right. So some things started to happen in Jeffrey. He was, you know, always said to have an energetic, happy childhood until about the age of four. And they can't really, they don't know really what happened. As far as his childhood goes, people say it was fairly normal, but they suspect that maybe he was attention deprived as an infant um, from his mother because the mom didn't breastfeed. But I mean, there's so many different claims to what happened. So they're not sure, but the mom did have issues. I guess they said her personality was very tense and greedy for attention. Um, so they were saying that maybe the, he had a, um, double hernia surgery and it seemed like shortly after that surgery, it might've affected his personality. So he has a lot of different possibilities to what affected his personality, but he went from this energetic boy to withdrawing. Yeah, I think that the only thing I could think of of why a surgery would affect a child's personality is if in recovery and the child's in pain and needs the comfort of parents, as most kids do. You ever see a kid have a stomach ache or a toothache? Um, We all were kids once. And something about being cuddled by your father or your mother made you feel better. Right. Um, and so if she's in pain and this mom is so um, inaffectionate towards him, that could be an issue. But most, like, again, I don't, I hate going here, but when you see a drastic change in a child's behavior, the first thing I think of is abuse. Right. Like, if because it, it's not even like he was acting out, so to speak. He just went from being this very outgoing and sociable, personable young kid to being this, like, hermit, this recluse. So I'm like, something happened. Something really triggered this. And they, Jeffrey never went on record saying no, that any kind of abuse happened in his home right. um, outside of neglect. Um, and his parents never even, like tried to put up a defense ever about anything. Like, hey, just in case y'all were thinking it, never heard him, never touched yeah. him. It wasn't... So it's like this... It's just a shift. And I, I'm, no I'm, I'm yeah. more up to believe that something happened in the home. But. I'm very... I'm on your side with that. Yeah. And also, I mean, the mom had her own slew of problems as well. And I think the parents were definitely wrapped up in their own issues because the mm. mom had attempted suicide... Um, she became an addict to pills. So I think when you're wrapped up in your own mess as a parent, you don't see what's going on with your kid. And if there was already problems there, which there were, you know, Some they weren't say. noticing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah. So his demeanor definitely has changed. And his father, who was the more attentive parent, right. um, decided to try some new things with, uh, with Jeffrey. One of them was letting him name his little baby brother. Uh, and that was David. Shout out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they bought him a dog. Like, there are all these right. things, like, trying to re-engage him. Right. And trying to get him back in the world. Especially his dad. Yeah, like, forcing him into activities that would, you know, force him into contact with other people. And when that wasn't seem, seem to be working all the time, intermittently, he would be gardening. Gardening, yeah. With yes. Jeffrey, which is a very serene activity. Right. Um, Along and- with raising some sheep. Sheep. Well, yeah. I was like, that bah. was... Like, who raises sheep? But let you know where they're from. <laughs> uh, but as he got older, uh, Jeffrey's interests shifted from just wanting to, you know, plant some potatoes or some strawberries and, you know, hang out with lamb chop and all these things. He bah. really... Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> He's like, if you don't stop that... <laughs> In this damn microphone. And... <laughs> 
And he started getting a uh, an affinity for small animals. Small animals. He was collecting insects, dragonflies, butterflies, and placing them in jars, which... In what? I'm sorry. Jars. There you go. Which most yeah, I kids like, do. I love doing that too. Which you're not going to do about my Haitian accent. <laughs> no, I um, I used to collect like Me bugs. Too. Like, but I was like, I wanted to be an entomologist as a child. So I would go and I'd flip over entomologists are people who study no, bugs. No, I'm oh, just you saying. Oh, you flipped I, your eyes like No, what? no. I was saying I just collected bugs and like No, I would them. flip over the, like, the rocks that were half stuck in the ground and pull out all the, like the uh the little what do you call those little the larvae and things like that and all the mm-hmm. fun weird beetles and mm-hmm. i would dig up and like make ants fight i was that kid i was the worm catcher <laughs> oh and then so i boring. would cut the worms in half so you may have some kind of anti <laughs> personality traits because they would lift a little bit before they like completely die. I would let them attack each other. Like I would let mm-hmm. ants go crazy over this piece of cake, but I would never purposely sm. Well, I smushed tons of roaches when I lived in the projects, but and I killed a lot of bees in my day, but never like just cut a worm. And a worm just is just minding its own business. I would dissect worms all the time. You're it was terrible. Like a thing. <laughs> but just like that, um, Jeffrey had you know begin to get an interest in animals and insects mm-hmm. and. What they what they looked like on the inside and how they worked to the mm-hmm. point where he'd ride his bike down the road and pick up roadkill mm-hmm. and put it in a trash bag to bring back and uh, inspect. <laughs> so one would say they were probably his earliest friends. Probably this could probably be why what happened happened. Yeah, he would inspect them and dissect them. Sometimes he'd do it in his backyard. Sometimes he'd do it in the woods by his house just mm-hmm. so he wouldn't get caught. Like this, like he definitely had this. Um, this is like again, he had this affinity for. It. And usually, when you see people torturing or killing small animals, right. it's typically a sign of uh, sociopathic behavior. But no one said anything. No. Um, but also, just according to uh, uh, one of the books I found before they yanked it off the internet on me, um, <laughs> Shrine of Dahmer. I, I feel like when you click a link enough times, I told you that. I feel like someone yeah. like takes notice. Like the, the NSA or like the CIA were like, oh no, bitch. <laughs> By federal, right. <laughs> that sign that we had up that happen with YouTube before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, guys, if you want, if you want the movie, my friend Dahmer is on YouTube completely free. Oh, really? Um, I haven't seen it yet. Just go listen, like go watch it within the next like twenty four hours because the chances it's going to be gone. <laughs> it says it has Spanish subtit- it has Spanish subtitles, and it does. But I watched it. That's fine. Um, but according to the book uh, by Brian Masters, The Shrine of Dahmer. Um, one night Jeffrey had asked his dad what would happen if he took one of the chicken bones and put it in bleach. Um, and his father would thought that it was some awesome, like scientific, this is a chemist, biomedical. Yes. He loves the things that I love. He's interested. Yes. Let me feed your knowledge. And taught him how to bleach and preserve animal bones. And this was a skill that a one Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer would hold on to for years to come. Mm. Now Jeffrey ages, as most people do, yeah. and has to go through the unfortunate thing called high school. Now, Which, I mean, I like my high school. I, like, I look back now and I realize I didn't hate high school, but I hated high school. Like, Not because I had a terrible time, but because it was just full of people trying to find themselves and making other people feel like shit while doing it. And I'm like, Ugh, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind it. I played sports and stuff, but it was stupid. I literally ignored everybody and was so much in my own like fantasy world. In my own world, I cared not about what anyone did. 
I cared a lot about what everyone did. I did I was, not at all. My closeted ass was like hiding out, like hoping no one found out. Like, what'd you hear? <laughs> like, that was kind of weird. You gay, bro? I'm like, well, who told you what? <laughs> like, that's a, that's more of a yes. Chill out. No, I was always that weird child that was in my own world. So I had yeah, but no problem. When girls are gay, though, like no one think when girls are gay. <laughs> When girls are weird, no one, the gay label isn't, isn't assigned to, yeah, to you. No. But when guys are gay, like when you are gay, when guys, see how I was excessive I in high school too. You see, we're both having problems tonight talking. Because so. I'm just outing myself over and over again. When they're gay, they're gay. <laughs> when they're gay. No, but in high school, like, I don't think anyone would think that because I was also really feminine, like, extremely. So I went from, like, Catholic school where I couldn't express myself to, like, yeah. High heel, pointy shoes. I mean, stereotypically, people skirts. wouldn't think that you were that you were queer. No, but there are plenty of like. Just so everyone knows, there are plenty of lesbians out here who are, <laughs> true, who are super fam. True. Just like there's plenty of men out here who are super fam living. But I'm saying life. for high school standards, like when right. you get to an adult, you know there's feminine like lesbians. Yeah. They're more masculine, but like I mean, you know, I prefer the studs. They're because they're like they're fun to talk about. <laughs> But like about, no one to. would have thought like I wouldn't have given out those vibes no anyway, no especially for a high school mind. That he was out here, yeah. you know, eating boxes. So we're moving <laughs> on. so Jeffrey was considered a bit of an outcast in high school by all accounts. That's mm-hmm. his classmates. That's documentaries. That's books. Everyone agrees that Jeffrey was weird a AF, weird, oh, yeah. <laughs> and probably because. He was constantly drunk. Drunk. Which I <laughs> like, find so interesting. Like, if you guys went to high school with me, please tell me which one of you guys were drunk during so I could, like, so you know, connect. Can I, can I, can I, because I know there are kids like this in my school. What bothered me, though, like when I was in high school, and what bothers me um, reading this and thinking back is that alcohol in school was not fun. Like, I, I never drank. Mm-hmm. But, like, I drink before things like parties mm-hmm. or if I'm going to, like, a concert. It's fun to get a little buzz going so you're just a little more <laughs> uninhibited. But, like, imagine going to school to get drunk to do nothing. Or to take the SATs. <laughs> All those little bubbles. <laughs> was that you? What? You got drunk before the SAT? No, I know. Oh. I just thought it was funny. Like, I listen, <laughs> the SATs are hard enough as a sober individual. I don't think... I was think- concerned. <laughs> no, no, no. I made good choices at I was that like, point the in life. Stories life. that need to be told now. <laughs> no. Um, but no, so he he's constantly drunk. Um and he would always he would always act out um to the point where people would start to give him that class clown label now. And whenever anybody became it got so uh worked up to the point that whenever anyone showed any kind of outlandish behavior, mm-hmm. it was referred to as doing a dommer. And which is kind of in its own way, if you were in high school, kind of cool that pe- that you're like, like you're like, oh, you're doing a. I'm not gonna say my last name, even though some of y'all already know it, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, you can find me. And it's like, but it's like, it, I think that's kind of cool. Like by high school standards, like having something named after you is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would wear this bulky uh, like army, army fatigue, fatigue jacket, yeah. and he would hide alcohol in it, and- which is very older male to do, like older guy out on the streets, like in his fifties right. to do. I'm thinking like homeless guy. Um, he would do that and he'd hide alcohol in it. And one of his classmates had asked one day, like, oh, I really, like, are you out here drinking alcohol? And he was like, yeah, it's my medicine. So, which leads me back to, and what you said earlier, something had to happen. Right. Like, he is so. Why are you medicating yourself? Yeah. <laughs> this is like alcoholism. I think a lot of people think that addiction is just this thing that just happens because, you know, people are bored or they make really terrible choices. No, mm. addiction is something that happens, one, 
because trauma. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of pain, discomfort in your life that you are having so much trouble right. uh, working around or working through that you need something to numb it. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of connection. You have no real friends to help you work through those things. And it's just a maladaptive behavior. It's co- It's just right. you not being able to cope healthily. This is a coping skill right. that he's using. It's not a positive one, but it's one that he's exactly. using to try to get through something. Now, who knows if it's what we're going to discuss next or if it's something from his childhood, but he doesn't know how to deal with it. There is a lot. So specifically uh, talking about Jeffrey and what he could be suppressing. Right. It's around this time that he also learns that he is indeed a uh, a gay young man. Right. And, and in the... <laughs> you think about the 70s. Right. This 60s. is not 2018, where there's a little bit more support. Not that much. Um, but this is in the 70s. And so... Now he's trying to maneuver that new aspect where he found out about himself with no support. I don't know if this would have been the beginning of the like why he was drinking so much that he knew and then right. he finally confirmed it in his head at this point, or if there's something else, which is why I was like, you know, maybe self medicating for something else or the homosexuality, but either way he's self medicating. Right. And, and without like and it's not even like he's self medicating, people don't know. I think that right. if this was two thousand eighteen and he was an adult uh, the thing, there's sidebar, sorry guys, but we always do this. Right. Um, especially with queer men. Um, queer men who self-medicate, there are very few sober spaces for gay men to, to collect and gather and right. spend time with each other. So if you are a binge alcoholic or an alcoholic and you just happen to be at a bar having a lot of drinks, people are going to think you're just here having a good time. Right. They're not going to know that you're here trying to, you know, soothe yourself. So like for him back in the day, <laughs> like <laughs> to be doing this. So much to the point he brings alcohol to school and raises no one's real flags for a while. Says a lot about his support system at home. His parents obviously knew about his alcoholism. That was something that became a thing. But his right. father is also a bit of a, a hard ass. As much as people, like, as much as we don't hear much about him outside of things, he was very, he was a very man of, he was a man of conviction. That's right. probably the word I want to use. Right. Um, but even in that, and because of that, and because they grew up uh, in the church and things like that, um, his father at least, like coming forth about home, being homosexual is something hard for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, having to deal with that and doing that by yourself. I mean, there were reports of him having a relationship with another young student. Right. Um, but like, that's not enough because you're both dealing with the same things. And I've said it before. I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but it's the secrets that make us sick. Right. It really is. It's the things that you hold to yourself that really make us lose our minds mm-hmm. instead of like getting help and asking about things. So, mm-hmm. Just a, just a sidebar. If you guys are struggling with something, that's why I'm going that's to what's therapy. Gonna, yeah, that's the secrets will make you sick, man. They'll make you drive. That's going on a shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was also um, the danger of him keeping his sexual orientation secret. He was also keeping his increasingly violent fantasies a secret. And at some point, these two things became conflated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really started to have these sexual fantasies that involved domination, submission, and eventually dissection right. of his sexual partners. So here's a combination of his interests when this, he was a kid, you know, colliding with now older t- thoughts, violent thoughts. Um, he's connecting all these two together. I, again, don't know why he's connecting these two together. There has to be a reason why he's connecting the violence to sexuality, but it's connected well, some of the some of the how he links that together. Yeah, so sometimes, especially with the young folks, um, and this is this is gonna I don't know how to say this without bringing in fetishes and kinks and things like that. But 
at a young age is when you really start thinking and learning about the things that excite you sexually. And this is very explicit. But I, I can, I can remember when I was 13, 14 years old and realizing that I had attraction, who I was attracted to and what I wanted to do with those people I was attracted to. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a lot of hormones in my head. I was always thinking about it. Like it was just (laughs) one of those things. And if you as a, again, as a queer person Mm -hmm. have very little um, as, of, by means of sexual education mm-hmm. because no one's teaching you to have sex with another right. man. They're teaching you to have sex with a woman, maybe. And so because of that, I feel, have a feeling he had to go into the deep, dark uh, abyss of, like, pornos right. to teach him about what sex, what men was like. And he already had these very violent, kind of gruesome ideas in his head about what he wanted. And so adding those two things and that being informed how he has sex... And we can even go on to say if he's looking into domination porn, right. he's going to have a misunderstanding about what consent is. And I'm not right. justifying no, I'm not, Jeffrey Dahmer's behavior, but I'm saying like There's how these also two, like, he also started to connect dissections. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's how these things started to connect and right. get, these things get discombobulated. And again, with hormones, you maybe, maybe you don't realize that one, what is sexual arousal and what is like, like. A love of violence you know so those two things are conflated again right. so at this mind. point in time too it's the 70s they consider homosexuality a sickness or a disease like they right. weren't thinking it was anything normal they're like something's wrong so i mean i don't know if that gave him allowances to put the two together as well who no, knows yeah, yeah <laughs> if it's something he didn't like about himself right like, because that's it's like, not positive and here's another thing that's not positive are you punishing so the other are you punishing right. your partners for being gay it's a there's yeah. some things that go on to this but we'll, we're gonna get to it I mean, um we're social so, workers oh, <laughs> we're, right. remember we're social workers for we're getting to so, the story though so all these things come to a head pretty much mm-hmm. um when jeffrey finally decides that he is going to act on these fantasies. Now he's 16 years old when he's deciding to act on this fantasy. So this is how quickly in his life the things have escalated. Stuff, right? And like I said, like unfortunately, if only he hadn't had the therapy, <laughs> feeling the need to act on something sexually is not wrong. Right. Doing it, going about it this way is wrong. Right. So like he he had become fond of this male jogger who jogged by his house down the road. Every we've day. all we've all looked at a mm-hmm. at a jogger. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, like the ones that were just like, let me just make sure I leave my house exactly at, at seven twenty five because I know that you know Mark down the street. You is take coming. up running too. You jog too. Got to lose a little weight. I've never done that. Never <laughs> aggressive. I don't, I don't like run. I don't. I just don't like running for no purpose. Like I love. I'll, if it's like on an art trainer, yes. If it's on a basketball court, yes. I'll play field games all day. Yes, but I will not run in place. I will not run around a corner six times to... No, call that. I'll run to save my life. Um, so he decided that because he liked this jogger so much that he was going to be the first target. And that he was going to uh, knock out this jogger with a baseball bat mm-hmm. and then violate him. Because his... Because his thrill was going to be, he remember he wanted to lay down mm-hmm. and be intimate with a s- s- completely submissive partner. That's all right. he wanted, and the yeah. only way to have a human being be completely submissive is either to be unconscious or dead. No, and- it di- it didn't seem like Dahmer when we get through the story was really concerned about consent. His comfortable spot was like, "I'm going to dominate you. You're going to submit. I don't want to hear what you got to say." I don't think he was. He had he had a lot of issues with consent, but I think yeah. I think fully in America right now, uh, uh-huh. there are a lot of people who have issues with consent. Uh-huh. Um, and but I think that it's something. I think that consent is something that should be taught 
in sex ed and it's Absolutely. not like they talk about you learn about rape and things like that but understanding what physical consent is mm-hmm. being able to allow being allowed to touch someone's body with their permission and emotional consent right. being able to like be entered into that safe intimate spot where the people trust you right. and not using that to manipulate someone into physical consent like I all these things should that, be as far as role played especially with some of these teenage boys nowadays like so, they understand insects had what consent is and what yeah. you know. What do you do in this? And when scenario? people say no, that doesn't mean convince me. It means stop. And like all right. these things that happen. That's 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 um, social workers. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that should be it's same sex inclusive now because there's like sexual violence against all partners happens absolutely all the time. Um, so he decides to do this. So he decides to hide in the bushes along this guy's jog jogging jogging <laughs> route. We can't talk tonight. Um, and wait for him to pass by, and he was going to knock him over the head with a baseball bat. And for whatever reason, on this day, Mark the Jogger, I don't know why I named him Mark. Mark the Jogger does not come by. Well, whatever happens, Mark the Jogger was very lucky that day. Because he was about to have a hard day that would have ended his exercise career right then. So he never gets to, he never gets to act on his, I guess, plan. His impulse his, yeah. then. But mm-hmm. this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. So obviously, if you're an alcoholic in high school, things happen like your grades slip. Mm-hmm. You know your your little the few friends that you did have start to dissipate. Um, his parents' relationship were on the rocks. Like all yeah, these things were happening. Right. So I can, but even then, I can understand why Jeffrey was drinking. He just he was just a tormented man, mm-hmm. um, evil as fuck. Right. Uh, like I can't can't really, take anything away. Right. From and I I think that's why I I enjoy the case so much because it doesn't make sense. Nope. Um, I mean it makes sense if once you once you get into his diagnoses and everything, but it doesn't make sense so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, they're again the relationship is on the rocks. Parents split up. Yeah. Lionel moves out of the house, moves into a local motel. Mom moves out of the house as well. Not quite yet, though. Well, okay. And there's other things that happen that I want to touch on, too, before okay, we get before to that. Get because we have to talk about the fact that, again, sociopathic behavior and Jeffrey's ability to manipulate authority figures and move about, like, and be, and kind of just be left alone and be, like, kind of hidden in plain sight. Right. Um, there's that time before his graduation where a teacher catches him chugging beers in the parking lot right and threatens to go to the principal threatens to you know tell on him and he convinces him that the guidance counselor knows why he's drinking and there's so many things going on at home and there's no reason for all this and lets it go mm-hmm. also the 70s right. um that has a lot the 70s were a free time but you're right so his mom who get ends up getting custody of his younger, younger brother, brother does just move out without telling Lionel, <laughs> like without telling the person who <laughs> needs to. Because right. also at this time Jeffrey was eighteen years old. Yeah, and so by this time he's eighteen. He's graduated high school and he's fully in like immersed in alcoholism. Like yes, he is fully deep in, full it, blown out. All he was doing at the time. So dad's gone. Mom's gone. And at this point. And he's alone in the house. Being alone in a house with these thoughts, it has given Jeffrey nothing but space and opportunity mm-hmm. to act on all these kind of like brewing sadistic thoughts. And that is all all you need. We t- every podcast, True Crime Podcast talks about it, right. is that moment of permission and allowance to do the thing that you've been thinking about doing. And now doing. he finally gets it. And now he has n- nothing. Nothing but space and time and, and opportunity. no eyes watching him and all these wild thoughts hey Rihanna 
comes to stop it <laughs> Every, yeah. when you were talking about his thoughts i was like singing it in my head i, I was like so wow wow <laughs> well we're th- well they're thinking about wild thoughts and it's just you know just but it's like consensual um <laughs> we understood i hope it's not everybody we have we just talked about that so with all this space and all this time jeffrey decides that he is going to find his first victim. This is it. Mm-hmm. Um, he decides he's going to get a man. He's going to embrace man, love on a man. Uh, that's a got to be real reference. No one understands what that is typically. <laughs> but he ends up picking up 18-year-old Stephen Hicks, who was hitchhiking to a rock concert. Yeah. Convinces homeboy uh, to come to his house and the promise that we're going to have some, we're going to kick back, have some drinks you could pregame before your concert. I'm a really cool guy. We're going to talk about wrestling. We're going to talk about all these things. Like I got free alcohol. Uh, and you would have had me at free liquor. That's really, like, <laughs> if you're on your way to a rock concert and it's the 70s, everyone's hitchhiking. We talked about these are the same things that got some of our other cases in trouble. trouble is that, like, right. people were hitchhiking because it was the thing to do. Right. To a um, concert. It's always to a concert. It's always to a concert or to someone's birthday party. Everyone's always <laughs> hitchhiking, too, when they get picked up. Uh and so, who doesn't like a pregame? So, homeboy agrees. And he gets there. And after a few hours, Steven's like, you know what? I got to bounce because his concert's kicking off. Um, I got to make sure I get there. And Jeffrey decides that he don't quite like that. He doesn't much. want him to go, clearly. But, I mean, you could have verbalized that, Jeffrey, but, but I you think don't. I, Jeffrey, doesn't have, Jeffrey doesn't have the vocabulary, like, really at this <laughs> point to have these emotional conversations. Clearly not. It's probably also the first time that he's spent time with another, like, man Man, like he thinks and he thinks again things that are misconstrued like emotional consent intimately he has never had like really had this opportunity to do this um he's always admired from afar again he had that one relationship supposedly or allegedly in high school but we don't know what that is i wonder where that kid is now i don't want to think about it but it was at this point that he would pick up a 10 pound dumbbell and smash it into the back of steven's head twice and then once Steven started to droop, he took that same bar and strangled him to death. Hmm. After that. <laughs> after that is rough. Yeah, so after that, again, now kind of fully escalated, fully in his like, just, oh, just, I don't know, what is that, mania, essentially. Jeffrey is at a high and strips off Steven's clothes and masturbates on the body. So again, this is two things being conflated that do not need to be. I mean, we talk about John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. We'll get to him eventually. Where yes. like the first time he killed someone, he jizzed his fucking pants. Like things mm-hmm. that things correlate that shouldn't sometimes. You guys, and this is if you're moment. connecting the two of these things, please find help. Please call somebody. Call talk somebody, to someone. Please. I think, but a lot of times, like I've I've had uh, kids that I've worked with talk about like violent tendencies and things what they like that aren't safe mm-hmm. and. They were ashamed to say anything about it. And I, again, the secrets will make you sick. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're talk so ashamed, talk to somebody you trust and say, hey, I, because not a lot of people have that, right. safe, that safe sex person they can talk to because everyone's telling you shouldn't be fucking or shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this at 16 or like, I always, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in telling kids not to have sex because it's just one emotional things. You're, you get caught up, you get connected, you're, you're in love, you fall for someone, you're right. giving things up, you're, it's intimate, it's a whole thing. But, like, I believe that no matter how often you tell kids not to, somebody is going to do it anyway. And, and if you are going to do it anyway, I want you to be safe. Safe. And so if you are ashamed of something or you think people are going to frown at you, talk to that person who you can have a safe sex conversation with mm-hmm. so they can get you to somebody. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's important. Um, so here we are. 
he would end up dissecting Stephen's body the next day and bury the pieces in his backyard. And then he would dig those up and remove the skin from the bones, dissolve it in acid, and then smash the bones to pieces and scatter them in the backwoods. Jeffrey Donnell, y'all. <laughs> I was going to start singing the theme song to Steven Universe. <laughs> Sometimes you need that. Yeah, But this is 18-year-old. This is 18. Jeffrey Dahmer. First of all, let's talk about how we escalated so quickly. And when we escalated, it's like there are grown-ass adults who commit murder who don't know about the acid, the sledgehammer, the annihilation of the body parts and spreading it. You're right. You're absolutely right. There are grown-ass people who don't know this concept. I mean, look at what's her face who spread his, her son's thing along the highway. Real freaking oh, lazy. Donna Scree, we don't, again, minimum effort she made. We don't, she just, she she was one of those people who I'm sure felt terrible yeah. and wanted to be caught. Like, that's that's the only reason you would probably do, like, to and with the saw that you cut your son up with, you dumb, whatever. Like, it just doesn't matter. But Dahmer, on the other hand, is like total annihilation of this body. I don't, it could be shame as well. Act like the person never existed, especially to put it in acid and the sledgehammer. It could be total annihilation. So this person doesn't exist. So I'm not ashamed, but what, I mean, whether it is or not, at 18, he knew to do this. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I'm saying is that at 18, this is all you had. And this is him being, he's here at 18 with no one, no one checking him, no one around to, to witness his behavior to try to curb it, no one looking to, like, there's all these things that happened around him. And, like, just growing up, man, like, oh, man, I am so terrified for some kids who I know struggle with things. But he's very, Jeffrey Dahmer, and this goes on to, like, borderline personality disorder, too, where he's very black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, like, everything is, like, here and there. Like, there's right. no in-between. There is no way... Uh, there's no gray area. He disassociates with everything. My favorite um, mental disorder. And so maybe you're right. The whole, like, maybe no one exists because I know that with uh, bipolar personality disorder, there's mm-hmm. a lot of abandonment issues. Right. So possibly um, if that person exists, they never left. Remember, because homeboy, he didn't want to go. There's a right. whole thing that happens here. Right. Um, but as soon as, <laughs> sooner than later, Lionel would return home with his new boo. Mm-hmm. New wife just picked up one while you're at the motel, I guess. Um, and find out that Jeffrey was living with himself. You're still here. <laughs> no, he knew he was there. He didn't know that his wife had gone. Oh, oh yeah, that too. And it's like this, this lack of communication here. And know. so eventually, you know, tries to get control of his home again. Mm-hmm. Um, urges Jeffrey to enroll in college, and which he does. He goes mm-hmm. to Ohio State. The Ohio State. I'm sorry. People who go to Ohio State will correct me. It's not just Ohio. It's the Ohio State University. Um, but he failed out his first semester because he was drunk most of the damn time. Again. Yeah. And because of that, thinking that Jeffrey needs structure, pressures him to join the army. And I don't know why every... I told you, they all end up in the army. Because everyone's looking for stability. Because that was... Military. A, remember, that was the hard line that people sold the military on. You sent... You sent misbehaving kids to the military to learn structure and discipline. Remember, mm-hmm. like that was a thing up until like the early like mid nineties, and then they started changing it to be like, well, you can be paid for your college, and right? Then, right. So there's a whole bunch of things that there's a whole bunch of narratives. See, when they this. came up to our schools, we could pay for school. No, when they came, like, I remember they called me, like, the summer before I had already decided to go to college. I've already picked a college. I was already enrolled. I was, mm-hmm. I had a dorm assignment. And they're like, oh, how do you feel about joining the armed forces? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm gay. And they're like, well, <laughs> you know, wish you future luck, luck in your future endeavors. They hung the phone up real quick. 
they were like, we don't want none of that. The, and now they wouldn't stop calling. What was sure. that, 2000? That was 2007. Um, <laughs> but even while he was in the army, there were some reports that he could have allegedly raped two uh, fellow soldiers while in the military. Right. So these violent urges, like during two years I mean, of service. I mean, it doesn't make sh- sense that it, it would stop. Right. Especially escalating at 18 is, and you're in the army. They're he did have a long thing. cooling off period. Of True. about what eight nine years, years. so yes. like he still has still very much fantasized there's no way those things disappeared he just didn't act on them except for possibly these two instances but still acting on it still acting <laughs> on it. but i think that once he kind of left the army jeffrey really decided to pick up that rainbow flag fully embraced his homosexuality yes, and was looking to use like not to use that but to live in that um which is a freedom I'd say. I, I mean, I know for myself, but for him, he's probably, he's still in the bounds of um of his own mind. But he spent some time in Florida once he yeah. left the army because, again, he was drunk all the time. Right. They got rid of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they got rid of him. He was uh, discharged because he was drunk. An alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, so he went to he lived spent some time in Florida. He wanted to get outside of the cold, which all of us think about here in the Northeast. We're like, man, all if the I time. could. If I could just move to Miami. My thoughts of moving to the South are going to come up soon. And then I think about it and I'm like, I ain't nothing in the South for my black ass. I but mean, we're there's like, only a few spots you could go. Where I'd feel safe. Safe, right. And I don't want to live in any of those places. <laughs> Maybe D.C. I love D.C. That's technically That's the South. That's not even South. It is the South. I mean, a little it bit. It is the South. Right. Maryland, Delaware, that is not. I well, like Delaware Baltimore. Maryland. I get in trouble in Baltimore. Be more. Mm. Mm, the guys. <laughs> but he came back and he lived with his grandmama. Yeah, yeah. Grandma was really the only person. Grandma did not deserve. Grandma didn't deserve anything, but Grandma was the only person that really he showed affection toward. Right. And, I mean, shout out to grandmas everywhere. Right. Um, and they would do it. They would cook together. They'd go to church together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, Grandma would find out firsthand or get a firsthand look at Jeffrey's erratic ass behavior. That's a lot. Um, she would discover a fully dressed mannequin in his closet one day. <laughs> And that is actually, and that's also a scene that's recounted in the movie Dahmer. I think it's 2002 it came out. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the matter he's an Avenger. Um, would play the, the role of Jeffrey Dahmer, and he's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I love his portrayal of Jeffrey Dahmer because was, it was like this very disassociated, um, detached human, very dry, just mm-hmm. like Jeffrey Dahmer spoke. Like, he, he did his research for that. Um, I have to take a peek at that one, too. Yeah, it used to be on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore, but I think it's on Hulu. Maybe that's the Dahmer Files. Anyway, I think I own the DVD. I might own the DVD. I might have bought it from like Amazon a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll look in my pile of DVDs I haven't watched that I purchased. (laughs) There's like 26 of them on top of my DVDs. I do that. I buy it and it's still in the wrapper. Same. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also found a gun at one point, a Magnum, and and he was killing animals in her basement. Right. And they were like, smells coming from her basement her father his father was notified father came over to kind of check it out give jeffrey a stern talking to remember because that was his thing that was the thing and he found like that black residue all around jeffrey's room in the basement that would that was consistent with the melting of flesh and acid so like a lot of things was happening here <laughs> i'm gagging as you should be gagging. i felt that in my stomach you should be gagging and you know what i think is hilarious here because it just it just tends to be I mean, such a a, a connection. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. About well, you don't don't picture it. No, picture <laughs> I did. But it was also around this time that he got a job as a mixer. Guess where? 
There's all something about food and candy and chocolate. Chocolate factory. And all these things. I was like, is it candy? The Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. And I'm just hearkening back to our first gay serial killer. Dean Coral. Dean Coral. You know I love that chocolate. I gotta. I was gonna give Jeffrey a voice, and I worked really hard um, to on it. But I'm waiting for the part two where Jeffrey gets to speak a lot. A lot. Oh, um, you because guys. it's because I'm gonna make I'm gonna drag him to hell. But it's <laughs> it's already there probably. But I I just think that it's one of those things where it's like you need it because he's had so many interactions, right? And he meets so many people, people. and. So many would-be heroes if they weren't for the police. But we're not going to get into it just yet. (laughs) Uh, But there's a lot of things that happen in this time. Like, something triggers his sexual proclivities once again. Mm -hmm. Allegedly gets offered or solicited for a blowjob by some guy. And that really gets him going again. Yeah. And, again... But he doesn't take it because, I mean... Because he's above that. Yeah. I think what that is is that you don't don't offer me anything I take from you. Like, And I think that's where where Jeffrey's line was drawn. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's a bajay, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So he starts... Like, I don't want to say like most gays do, because that sounds like most gays are serial killers. <laughs> but uh, like he starts becoming, he starts, you know, becoming a patron at these gay bars right. and these bathhouses. And if you guys don't know what a bathhouse is in the 70s. It's a lot. <laughs> a bathhouse was a place where you could go and you could soak in these like nice, like hot tubs. Not, I don't know how nice they were in all places, but New York <laughs> had a few, Milwaukee right. had a few, Atlanta, mm-hmm. L.A., um, there was a Houston. lot of things sexually in the seventies going especially, on, especially especially hetero. Gay. At this time, gay lot. like gay sex and like gay and like gay relationships and queerness in general was becoming a not so much a mainstream idea, but it was it was so talked about and so like kind of present that it became a taboo topic. You know, like it was something that was really going in, and so he'd visit these places. Um, Having sex with different men, meeting different men, but again, bathhouses are those places where people would have back rooms and there's like rooms with cots and little mattresses and things like that where you can go have sex. Gay bars, people hook up in bathrooms all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. Just, you know, don't be in the stall when I need to pee. So <laughs> it irritates me. <laughs> but he had sex with all these different men and then he, mm-hmm. soon, he just soon kind of grew tired right. of doing that, specifically because he was all about domination again. Mm-hmm. And he did not like that his partners would move during their time together. Right. And so. So. Mm, I was going to make a bad joke. But. Do not. <laughs> we don't. Because there's only one way that joke could have went. And it wouldn't have been a good one. Correct. You, you would have gotten. I would have I would have to tell you all about yourself. <laughs> but. um, So he decides to use sleeping pills um, to, I guess, lace um, people's drinks. Because, like I said, he was tired of. Well, like you said, he was tired of people moving and somewhat consenting. So he started lace drinks and then raping the unconscious bodies. This happened about 12 times until he got kicked out of the bathhouse. And right. I feel like if you're getting kicked out of the bathhouse, you have to be really trying to. Yeah. So I think I the other thing, this is also another myth I would like to dispel while we're in the middle of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people... I don't know. I think that everyone thinks when they think of the high of like gay, like sexual promiscuity and all mm-hmm. these things, 
that people are just out here like sucking and tucking and mm-hmm. pucking and jucking yeah. and no one's thinking about like what people want. What? No right, one's thinking right, about right. safety. No one's like, but all those things were no. thought about in bad All of houses. this is supposed to be consensual. Like it's consensual, like safe, safe place quote to unquote, go. safe well, sex. Yeah. Um, at, the, at the least it was consensual. Right. And so. they all had bouncers. They all had, and typically huge straight men would be bouncers at these bars because mm-hmm. they paid well. Mm-hmm. And, they would have these bouncers who would get to know the clientele, get to know who was coming in and out. Managers would be there. And they started recognizing that Dahmer would come into the bathhouse and he'd find someone who he thought was attractive. They'd quote unquote hit it off. But every time they, he'd leave and then they would find someone unconscious in the back or coming to in the, in one of the rooms. So they started picking up on a pattern of behavior until they realized this is what he's doing. You got to go. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just wanted to spell it. It's not, there's not just a free for all. No one's just putting things in holes everywhere without people saying yes. So, that was why it was an issue. And then, even that, mm-hmm. even in that, um, there was a whole issue with, um, like, wanting to unearth a dead body of yeah, a recently was, deceased 18 year old. So, like, he was, yeah, he was deep uh, into this deep. submission thing, and there was no coming back, uh, for Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Um, and even in this time, so he gets arrested a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. For indecent exposure, he had apparently mm-hmm. was charged at one point for masturbating for two boys. Yeah. He confessed initially, then re- walked it back, saying he was urinating. He didn't know there were people around. Um, it made me think of like, do you ever see horrible bosses? No. Well, there was like this, this, this gag in the movie that, like, that he was like they made fun of him because he got arrested once for peeing in a park. And I was like, that happens. Like, I'm always terrified to pee in a park. Like, if it's, like, late night and I'm walking back right. with friends, like, you never know, right. like, what's going on. But because he was banned from bathhouses, Jeffrey Dahmer decided that he needed to take his act elsewhere <laughs> in a, a secluded place where he could have the privacy, where people aren't going to be checking in after. and cleaning up right afterward. Right. Um, so he started moving it. To hotel rooms, hotel. cheap motel rooms, cheap hotel, hotel rooms. Holiday this is not a party. Save. Okay. So, <laughs> so one night things mm-hmm. come to a head. Now this is we can call this a catalyst. We can call this a jump off moment or a jumping off point or a complete dive into insanity. But it was November twentieth of nineteen eighty seven that he had met a twenty five year old Stephen Toomey uh, at a bar. I think this is why I started having a party in my head because I knew what I was walking into next. Yeah, I'm sorry that you you Uh, feel this way. Um, And in this, he had persuaded him to come back to his room. He said, hey, I got a room at the Ambassador Hotel. It's late. We're both feeling good. And so his plan was just like his every other night was to drug Steven, Mm -hmm. rape him, and then like leave him. Bounce. That was it. But this night was not like any other night Mm. because in the morning... Jeffrey claims that he had woken up and found Toomey underneath him with his chest basically broken in, covered in bruises, blood coming from his mouth, mm-hmm. and bruises on Jeffrey's arm, defensive wounds right. and bruises. And he had no idea how this happened. He says he has no recollection of killing possibly. Stephen Toomey and possibly has no because recollection. He but he Because, again, extreme out, blacking out, disassociation for the borderline personality, so schizotypal disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these things. And schizotypal disorder can go back to when he was killing um, Stephen Hicks, right. where he holds people to these impossible standards. Um, I, I remember <laughs> I just diagnosed one of my friends. 
boyfriends with schizotypal disorder like while we were drunk the other night at my in new york i was like you know what you you want so much from people stop, <laughs> y'all stop letting me read books <laughs> because you want your license now you want to go ahead and stop letting me read books but in this um he says he doesn't remember it but knows enough that he goes and he purchases a large suitcase and goes back to the hotel room and folds up Stephen's body into this suitcase. Then he brings it to his grandmother's house where he keeps it there. Again, the smell. <sighs> Grandmama is not playing that shit. So you I, know when you get older, you're you start to lose like your senses a little bit. Taste goes. Your sense goes. of smell goes. Yeah, like how I mean. bad does something smell <laughs> that grandma picks up these things? But about six days later, um, he would. Go go about disassembling the body, cutting off the arms, the legs, from the torso. Um, he would again take the skin off the bone. Um, he cut it into small pieces, and then he placed the the skin and the flesh in garbage bags, and then he wrapped the bones in a sheet and smashed them with a sledgehammer again, mm-hmm. so he can crush them into smallest pieces he could, and he uh, literally threw them in the trash. Right. I told you that obliteration, you don't exist. Like, so this is, this is where we are. This is, this is Jeffrey Dahmer escalating. And this is only number two. Mm-hmm. And so in this, with all these late night, like late night trysts and leaving the house and all the noise and all the weird erratic behavior, he eventually gets kicked out of his grandmother's house because she's sick of his shit. As every grandma should, should would have been a long time. Once I saw the mannequin, you got to go. Mm-hmm. So he gets an apartment closer to the job, to his job. And this would take him to Milwaukee's West Side, mm-hmm. which is a predominantly black area, which is important come part two. Right. Because it would come, we'd come to find out that Jeffrey has an affinity for black and brown people. I mean, I do too, but not like that. Yeah, we can talk about fetishism later. Um, it's coming in part two. Right. Uh, but this would only be the beginning of Jeffrey's uh, path of destruction. And this is where we'll leave you mm-hmm. with part one yeah. of Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. And I'm excited to go forward because there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about. There are a lot uh more bodies, victims, things that are going to come up, chances for police to catch him where he gets arrested. Right. And there's so many the times he gets arrested. Get on my nerves so much in this case. Right. <laughs> Which always happens in the 70s. Right. But there's so many things that happen here where at any point in time he should have been locked up. Right. And he was not. Right. And we don't know, we don't want to call this privilege. We don't know what it is, but hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like thinking, like, what is the fact? Like, what is this? Because these seven, we get we get up to 17. We get up to 17 young boys and men um, that end up being victim, that fall victim to Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. And it's actually like, it's, it gets wild. So that's it. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's so funny because I love true crime. I love this stuff when I read it and I'm okay. But when we're talking about it. Something about voc- so, like vocalizing. Yes, it. like I could read this. I researched all it. All day. Here's somebody else tell me about it all day. Right. And then like when I'm listening, I'm like, oh, like oh, yeah. <laughs> like you're like no and the problem is i've watched so many like you know uh re-dramatizations right. of these things i've watched so many movies about jeffrey Dahmer because he's always been i don't know i think he's the real reason why i've always wanted to get into forensic psychology is because like he 
like obviously they've diagnosed him and all mm-hmm. these things they know what was wrong with him mm-hmm. but they don't like i just want to know like I, I need to know how things connect and specifically how those how the violence and sex connected for him right. without having to be traumatized himself at a young age so like again yeah. this abuse right. that no one talks about that, yeah, that we don't know happen. exists but i'm just saying so that is Jeffrey Dahmer, and I'm sorry that you guys are hearing this. I hope you guys aren't listening to this in the middle of the night driving home. Don't listen around your babies. Um, I found out that somebody does, in fact, we listen do. around their kids. I know. I'm like, oh, um, oh, that was man. funny to me. That was hilarious. I was like, that was my mom. That's how I got into this mess. Oh, my mom would just let me sit up the sheet. My mom would this threaten me with like unsolved mysteries. Like, you see how that? You see how that? How people just can disappear? Same. Keep acting up, but I'm like, same. I didn't know if she was threatening me. To say she would make me disappear or that somebody could kidnap somebody me? Somebody would kidnap No, this, my mom was, it was somebody's going to kidnap me like they do on Unsolved Mysteries if you run away. When I was throwing a fit, I was like, I want to run away. No, so, I, think, I mean, this is why we're here. If anybody knew who, anything about my mama, you would know. If my mom threatened that you could end up disappearing, it's probably because she would be the one to I make mean, sure yeah, it happened. I mean, not, my mom was but relying she, on somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was a little bit of an OG. <laughs> so, um, no, I loved it. But yeah. I do want to shout out some people. I want to shout out the What Did You Do crew because you guys have been great. You guys make um, my you guys have been Oh, okay. I don't know. Sure. Tingle. Um, no, I love interacting with you guys so much. I yeah, really so do. do I. It makes sure. me smile. You do a lot with a little bit. You need to cut that out. <laughs> I was like... What? Make my feet tingle. Make my feet tingle. Word. <laughs> no, you're wild for that one. Always. You're so wild for that <laughs> a one. A hot mess. But no, I want to shout out uh, Candice. Candice, you're you're great. Um, I always got to shout out Lola. You know that we appreciate you, she, Lola. It goes hard. Lola, Lola was looking out yeah, for me this weekend on my birthday. I thought that was cool. And so, shout out to Tracy, who's a friend of uh, Candice. Uh, tell your friends about the show, guys. I love that you guys tell your friends and you guys act a fool around this stuff too, because we love it. But we can't talk like talking about crime from this perspective is so fun for us, but it's also really important. Um, I think I talked about it last time we talked about Raylisha a little bit. It's just because I think so often with true crime fans, mm-hmm. we like to look at it like we're looking through a glass, like a two, like a like a two way mirror or one way right. mirror. You know, like we're looking at everybody, like wow, look at how crazy and like fucked up those people are. Mm-hmm. And I think that yes, they are fucked up. But I think that especially when it comes to other true crime podcasts who don't do a good job of talking about mental health and talking about what things how things happen, I think it's so important to remember that we're all a few like life events. Poor choices, uh, inebriations away from making terrible choices too that would make us our own true crime story. Wow. And I want us to understand that. Not so much Absolutely. in terms of Jeffrey Dahmer, because no, no, no. Jeffrey well, Dahmer I mean, had a lot of. But in the of, other terms of like, you know. A lot of the other cases, you know, like it's a shame that people feel the need to shame people about their mental disorders without understanding the roots. But when, especially you're a minority and you don't have the same. Social, yeah, yeah, access to certain things and social. There's little that you can do, and there are a lot of people who do these stories, do true crime because they love it too, but they don't understand the social aspect. I know we get a lot of flack for going on tangents, but we're social workers at the end of the day, and we understand how social things could affect these people, and things end up happening like this. Well, yeah, like I think that if you, I think everybody comes to true crime for facts, right? But you need to get all facts, like right. just because I'm not saying he, you know, he stabbed someone eighty seven point four times. No, but why? He and got like, but there. We, people get like people just don't show up as killers, right? So I was like, there, like I want to, I want you to know how he got to this point. How and not to prevent somebody else it, if you see but signs. Like, we get, how people get there. It's right. like it's not a, it's not a far jump. 
to get to places like that. And I just think that we owe it to people who like who suffer from or I'm sorry not suffer but manage uh, mental, mental health issues yeah. that we put them in the right light mm-hmm. and because the majority of people who suffer from mental I keep saying suffer majority of people who manage mental health disorders are not incredibly violent no. and you know and don't deserve the stigma that comes with it but mm-hmm. when you have true crime shows that do nothing but paint them as violent mm-hmm. people not gonna get and into this it. stops well you know what I am because no, this stops gonna, people from getting help right. I'm not gonna go oh, into like, we're not that, naming people this but, stops people from getting help because they feel like they're gonna be misunderstood and that's how most people think of them and that's something I'm very passionate about and why right. I want my license because I want people, especially minorities, to feel safe talking about the things they need to talk mm-hmm. about before. Like I said, it's only a few breaths away from becoming some of these serial killers. Right. All like not even just serial killers, but just criminals, you know, criminals in general. In general so. I think crime. I think I think that everyone looks through a glass. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that wish thank God I'm not like them. But girl, like you yeah, you're not a criminal. Wait till you miss a few checks. Wait till we, you go home. We joke Wait about this you. at work all the time right. because there are so many things, you know, we work with offenders and it's only two steps away. We're going to be like in the groups and doing the things that we, mm-hmm. that when we have our clients do it, it's so simple for you to end and up. All it takes is a trigger. Like, right. It, we're, I, I think I, the study I read says that most Americans mm-hmm. are two paychecks away from being homeless. Right. So think about that. Think about what the victimization of homelessness looks like and what it would force you to do if you couldn't eat or couldn't provide for yourself. What would you be desperate enough to do? Mm-hmm. And if you grew up with like, neglect and trauma and haven't been able to process that and haven't been able to look at human beings as actual human beings or as safe places to go you are going to build up things in your brain so there's things right. that go in it doesn't matter we're not so along with jokes and along with facts we are gonna get education and support we're not technically sociologists sociologists but no it, we all took classes yeah. so there is <laughs> but we do the work <laughs> but here we are that yeah. is jeffrey dahmer that is d and charnell's and that social is what work did you hour do, right <laughs> that is what did you do bitches. and you gonna love it where can people find you on the internet if they wanted to d underscore l-i-g-h-t it's d-e-e because i get flack for not spelling out the d-e-e part so it's d-e-e underscore l-i-g-h-t-4 on instagram or in twitter you could also stark chanel and you'll find me through his page maybe so you can find <laughs> me on twitter instagram snapchat um i snapchatted a lot this weekend yes, and i hope did. that when we do our little meetup in new york city that i can snapchat a lot of there i love meeting new people i met some of my twitter faves this weekend um it's because we just happen to be in the same gay spaces. That's really what <laughs> so, happened. So, not a lot of spaces. And it was an accident. I was like, I That's know you. That's the thing. There are not a lot of spaces. And I knew that going right. up. Um, so, find me again. Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. It's Charnel B. C-H-A-R-N-E-I-L-B. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash What Did You Do Pod. And check out The Crew. Uh, join it. I love the conversations you guys have in there. Tingles you guys, in my feet. Yeah, you guys enjoy each other so much. Mm-hmm. Um, check out the Patreon. Check out the merch shop. Uh, that's it. Well, part two of Jeffrey Dahmer will drop next Monday. Mm-hmm. I think that y'all should look out for that. Right. Also, if you are a patron, um, I think it's $5 or over, you do get a extra welfare check episode. And you guys yes. did miss that in September. So this month we are doing two. We are giving you two. So you get... We're giving you that work. You get extra, extra what that, did you do episodes this week. Yeah, I know. This week, this we month. So, so much of us. You get so much of us. So if you are interested in hearing more about um, missing persons cases or disappearance cases, that's what our uh, that's what our welfare check episodes are about. Uh, check out the Patreon. Figure out, like I said, $5. You get all that. I think that's going to end up being like five episodes this month. Mm-hmm. 
maybe six. I'm not mm-hmm. counting right, but I think no, it's, it's I think it's five. It's five episodes. Yeah, there's two welfare, two parters, one three. Two, yeah, episodes. that makes sense. So yeah, you guys get it all. Yeah. So enjoy that. Um, keep your hands clean. Um, you know what? Talk to somebody because I'm gonna. I think this is gonna be a good like end off for every time. Like talk to someone because the secrets make you sick. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like that. that. Yeah, still mm-hmm. on a shirt. Right. <laughs> Take care, y'all. Yeah.